morning. Good morning. It's good to see everyone. Thankful you're here. Jamie left me, so it's all you got me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So I'm going to pull up the chair. <laughs> no. <clears throat> so what we have so much information in our brain, and um, I don't want you to, we don't want to just regurgitate information. We want what we say to be a revelation because that's what, you know, I always say to him, you know, we have so much, let it be a revelation, God. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts that we can receive that word and let it be planted in our hearts so that when it comes forth, it's you and you are a seeds that are planted in your hearts and everything. So um, even though we say I have a lot of information, it is revelation that I have, and that's why I get excited about it. But uh, I wrote down quite a few things, and it's kind of basic. I'm not sure exactly which direction he's going. He's not exactly which direction I was going because we are um, lots going on in the world today, and, you know, we don't want to be silent about things, and we want to help people understand some things and do some basic things and uh, in Scripture. And, you know, a lot of times you think people hear you, what you're saying, but it takes over and over because they're listening, but they're not hearing and, you know, I, I always say that to Jamie. He's like, are you listening to me? And he's like, yeah, I'm listening. Boy, he said what I said, but did you really hear what I said? Because he really didn't. So, and sometimes that's how it is when we're up here. You know, we say it over and over, and it's just like, I, I really want you to hear. And so these little basic things, you might know it, and if you do, that's great. It's just more a foundation. But when you read the Scripture, the Bible, it's really... Uh, we've heard a lot of things that the Bible's called as his love letter and all these things, but it's really God's covenant journey with his people. And when you look at the scripture, when you read the scripture and you can start to see it through lens of covenant, then it starts to make a little bit more sense. And things in the world start, make a, start to make a little bit more sense. And there's several, like 50-some hundred covenants in the Bible from Genesis to Revela uh, Revelation, and some of them are with people. You know, David and Jonathan, and there's the five main ones are with God and with Abraham and David and Moses and Noah and with Jesus. We always think it's like he has a covenant with us, but really God has a covenant with Jesus. Amen. And we're beneficiaries of that last covenant. Okay, so when you view scripture through a covenant lens, you're either going to have a pessimistic or optimistic view, right, of if you don't view it. So lots of Christians are confused when they read the Old Testament. Many think, uh, people think that the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, and those two are not the same. The Old Covenant started in Genesis 1-1, but actually the Old Testament, a lot of people think that the Old Covenant started in Genesis 1-1, but actually the Old Testament started in Genesis 1-1. The Old Covenant does not show up until Exodus 20 at Mount Sinai. And so that's a big shift, right? Old Covenant is something that shows up 2,800 years after Genesis 1-1, okay? Then from Exodus 20 until Jesus, we have about 1,400 years. So why is it important? Because passages in the New Testament, where Paul talks about we have to get rid of the Old Covenant, Galatians 4 calls the Old Covenant Hagar, the slave woman, mother of Ishmael, get her out, right? But if you think that Paul was telling us to get rid of the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, you'll think he's telling you to throw out all of the Old Testament. And that's not what he's saying, because it's a covenant. There was an Old Covenant. So Paul's not saying to get rid of the Old Testament. He's saying get rid of the Old Covenant because Jesus came and he fulfilled that. And he actually abolished that in his flesh, being nailed to the cross, all the ordinances that were written on stone, Old Covenant. Also what I read and what I heard that you just can't start at Mount Sinai, you know, with the Ten Commandments and say, okay, that's the Old Covenant. There is a canon, there's a story around each covenant, and you have to back it up around those stories to get to that to understand it so you back it up to you know Egypt they were slaves and, and then Moses and all that so that's so there's just a lot so Hebrews 8 2nd Corinthians 3 and 4 Galatians 4 speak of the old covenant the laws written on stone Mount Sinai Exodus 20 and once we realize that Old Testament 
is Genesis to Malachi, but the Old Covenant is Mount Sinai to, until Jesus. I know I'm giving a lot of information, but is it kind of connecting? Because a lot of people hear us and they think, oh, they don't believe the whole Bible. They're throwing out all the Old Testament. No, we're not throwing out the Old Testament, but the Old Covenant is no longer for us, right? So that's what we at Grace Life are trying to convey. Maybe we didn't do that well enough over these 10 years, but we're staying steady. And, you know, you're, we're growing, and you're growing with us, and we thank you for giving us grace. We need grace just as much as you want the grace from us, but we need grace as well. So we have to shift from old. So what do we remove? We kick out the slave woman, not throwing out the Old Testament, but, by, but throwing out the Old Covenant. Shift old covenant being fulfilled and abolished in Jesus' flesh. I said that. And the cross is really what eschatology is about, right? So the last days in Scripture is covenantal, not cosmic, okay? So once we understand all these different covenants and everything like that, you're, that that's where your eschatology can come in, and that's where a lot of people get mixed up. And the same on the other side. Not everything in the Old Testament is Old Covenant, and not everything in the New Testament is New Covenant. Most people think New Covenant starts in Matthew, but covenants require blood shed, right? So the New Covenant starts at the cross. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament, but they're still Old Covenant. And Jesus was born under the law, so he was talking Old Covenant, fulfilling it. So in the old covenant, we were servants and slaves. They were servants and slaves. The new covenant, we're sons, right? So Jesus' ministry, he doesn't talk about new covenant, but about the kingdom, okay? Do you think that Jesus today, if he healed someone, would tell them to go offer up a turtle dove and show themselves to the priest? Because that was old covenant, and he was born under the law, doing the old covenant, but we're not under that any longer. Now he has a covenant with Father. So anyway, I, there's just so much more <laughs> that I could say and do, and it requires more teaching. And he's way better teaching at it than I am. And, but um, anyway, but let's pray, okay? I want to pray again. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in our midst, Holy Spirit. We thank you that your word is speaking to everyone and it unveils the word of your truth. May it be a seed that grows in us. We help us, Holy Spirit, to uh, close off all the noise that's around us that is not of you. We thank you that it's planted, the word is planted in our hearts and it's working in our hearts today, ministering and teaching and awakening, awakening us to hear you clearly. So may we respond and grow in the wisdom and the knowledge of you, and we love you and we honor you and we praise you in Jesus' name. I write a lot of things down because a lot of times that's how I flow. It just comes out that way through, through that. Anyway, did that help you go in another direction? Or? Yeah, Old covenant, new covenant? She wants the mic. This no. <laughs> no, it's a very good introduction of... Um, I have, a, I usually start during the week. I'm, it's okay if I just sat down this morning because we're just going to talk. We're, I don't have a sermon, I don't have a message. I really don't even have a direction. I just have some thoughts. Um, I've written a lot of those thoughts down as I do in my notebook every week. We heard Lynn Howes uh, Friday and Saturday night, our mentor in Charleston. Um, that kind of threw me off. <laughs> because he said a lot of good things, but not in the vein that I was studying in. So I started swirling around in my mind all of these things. But I've had multiple conversations face-to-face -face with people at work, on the job, <clears throat> in church setting. Uh, some of you have talked to me uh, this, this past week. Uh, I have, if at all, I don't think I have, but if at all, maybe one time, in the past 10 years at Grace Life, brought an entire message based upon current events. I just don't do that. It's not some, I'm not looking to the news to get something to touch my heart to bring to you guys. I'm looking into the Scripture, trying to hear from Holy Spirit where He wants us to go so that we can grow. But I do believe that because of what is going on, 
how many of you have had conversations and knows know what is going on in Israel right now? Let me see your hand. So hardly anybody's hand is not up that they haven't heard about what's going on in Israel. And a lot of times you're criticized if you're silent about things. Not that I'm worried about being criticized, but I do believe that as ministers, people want to know our thoughts, know what the Lord's saying to us, know, want, want to know the direction that we are in as we look at those current events. Um, and I'm going to make some statements. I want you to process those. Everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, it that you are all at a different place in your journey. If I was preaching this message, sharing thoughts with you, based upon this current event of Israel and what's going on, have they been attacked by Hamas? Just a side note, the word Hamas in Hebrew is violence. It's what the word means. It's not found in Scripture, but it's what the word means. I would have had a different viewpoint 11 years ago than I have right now, and that, that viewpoint may change as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So what we want to present to you is Jesus. What you need to see going on right now needs to be through the lens of the cross, and it needs to be full of Jesus. Now, I believe that one of the biggest misconceptions hindering believers in their walk of victory where we can enjoy fresh encounters with Papa, is your view of the enemy. Help me. Now, as I said, we all are at different places in our journey. I used to be over here, and because I was over here, when you, all of you right now, if I said, look to your right, my right, your left. <laughs> Some of you could see out the window, you would see a different view. Some in the back would see the brown wall. Everybody has a different view. If I say, look to the right, my left, you're going to see things differently from your vantage point. And if you changed your position of where you are geographically, you would see things differently. So it is in your walk with God, and I believe that a misconception has come, and it hinders believers in encountering uh, a fresh encounter with Papa, and I believe those encounters are over and over. I hope and I trust and I believe that everyone in the room has had an encounter with Christ that's brought them to salvation. You've believed unto salvation. If you haven't this morning, you need to have an encounter with the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross that removed all of your sins as far as the east is from the west, and he'll remember them no more. And there's a guarantee that as you believe... Your spirit man, we talked about this two weeks ago, positionally is righteous. doesn't mean that your condition in life changes. It can as we have those ongoing encounters. One of the things that hinders that is our view of the enemy. Many times, your greatest encounter, a place where you can receive strength, and if I can say it this way, nutrition is in the midst of the battle in the presence of an enemy. How do I know that? Psalm 23, 5 says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. The battle, the storm, whatever that looks like to you that is a, something that's raging in your life, God wants to give you strength in that. He wants to give you nutrition in that. How do I know that? He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. I'll give you another example. Samson slew the lion. He, he destroyed the lion. When he comes back a few days later, what's in the carcass of the lion? Honey, nutrition, strength came from what? A defeated enemy. Did you hear me? From a, de a picture of a defeated enemy, he received nu nutrition. He received strength. Hope you can see it. Because what you stare at is what you'll steer towards. What you dwell on tells me what you value. Just let that ring through your mind right now. What are you dwelling on? I have been in services in the past where 90% of the service we dwelled on what the enemy was doing. We had a little bit of feedback in the sound system during worship this morning. The devil's fighting this morning. So an entity that has absolutely zero power 
you are weaponizing and given power to and even saying that that entity can infiltrate inanimate objects and control them. Misconception, hindering believers. Uh, so I, I feel I must challenge our belief system. Do you, does anyone want to grow? Anyone want to go beyond where they are? Turn with me in Scripture to 1 John, the third chapter. 1 John 3, 8. I just want to lay out a few things. I'm not telling you. I, please don't allow what I'm sharing with you this morning to cause you to doubt the Scripture, doubt God, or even put uh, something between you and me in a relationship. Because we don't have to see eye to eye on a lot of things to stay in relationship, okay? I just want to tell you where my journey has been, where my journey has taken me. I can't tell you where I'll be as the Holy Spirit continues to reveal because I want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what He has done for me. Well, you want to go on the journey with me. 1 John 3, 8, He that committeth sin is of the devil. Now, in my Bible and in most translations, the word devil there is not capitalized. Small d. Pay attention to that. For the devil, again, small d, sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest. Stop right there. So what John is getting ready to say to us is one of the reasons that Jesus left heaven and became incarnate in the flesh, not just to save us from our sins, because John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Do you believe that? Did he take away the sin of the world at the cross? The, another reason that he came and manifested himself in the flesh and did what he did at the cross was that he might destroy the works of the devil. How many of you believe he did that? So Jesus was manifested in the flesh. Lisa hit on the point that so that he, as the human side of the covenant, could make a covenant with God swore an oath to himself because Jesus was more than a prophet. He was more than a teacher. He was the Son of God. He was God in flesh, incarnate, manifest in the flesh so that God could cut a covenant with himself through the blood of Jesus. And you and I are married to Jesus. We talked about the bride of Christ last month. And as the bride of Christ, the two shall become one. There is a seamless union that exists between Christ and his church so that everything that God promised in covenant to his son Jesus is now yours, but you don't have, there's nothing that you have to do with the equation. It's between God himself, the son of God, and the son of man. We must understand that because, you know, we've said this a lot here at Grace Life, if you take a text out of context, you're left with a con. And people will use scripture out of context to manipulate and con you. That's witchcraft. Okay. The, the definition of witchcraft is manipulation. So if you're manipulating anyone by taking scripture out of context, you're involved in witchcraft. See, we think it's demonic and it's black magic and it's... No. The true biblical definition is when you take scripture out of context and you try to manipulate someone with that. I'm, I'm sorry to say that I, do, I delved into witchcraft when I was of my other mindset because I manipulated people with scriptures taken out of context about what they should do with their money. You just believe what you want to believe on that. But I'm not going to manipulate anybody. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. He won't even manipulate you. He will guide you into all truth. But I want to make a new statement in that same vein of thought. We not only need to stop taking text out of context, we must stop taking things out of covenant. When you take things out, out of covenant and you're dealing with situations with an old covenant mindset, 
and I'm going to talk about something specifically with Israel here in just a second in the mindset of covenant. Okay? Because God is not a covenant-breaking God. He has never broken covenant with anyone at any time. But 1 John 3, 8 says, He did come to destroy the works of the devil, the enemy. From a fallen mindset, we have been taught that he has power. I've got two people with me. From this teaching, we have developed beliefs based on lies that gives equal and opposite power to an entity that is nemesis to God and they're constantly in conflict. But my Bible says in 1 John 3, 8 that Jesus destroyed, annihilated, completely did away with the works of the devil. Now, I, this is just me. I either believe that he finished the work, which he said he did, or that he didn't and he still has work left to do. And if I'm of that mindset, it hinders me from walking in victory because he still has an enemy. Then on the timetable of history, you have a battle that's out in your future somewhere where God fights to, comes to fight another battle. Who's he going to fight, folks? He destroyed the works of the devil. He swallowed up death, the final enemy. He swallowed up death, hell, and the grave. Well, help me, Holy Ghost. Ephesians 4.27, Paul encourages us not to give place. Opportunity, this word place here means opportunity for power. Give no opportunity for power to the devil. Small d, which means it's not a noun, person, place, or thing. I'm just telling you what the scripture says. It is an adjective. That means slanderous or false accusation. It's an adjective in the Greek language. In the Old Covenant, under the Jewish system, there was no such thing as the devil. Just let that sink in and think about that. Because if you take it out of context, there's only one place in all of the Old Testament, I didn't say Lisa made it plain to us. Old Testament and Old Covenant aren't the same thing. There's only one place in all of the Old Testament that the word Hasatan, Hebrew, Satan, is used. And again, it's not capitalized. It's not a person, place, or thing. Inside of the Old Covenant, there wasn't an enemy that they were fighting. Jesus, God did not make a covenant with Israel and place an enemy in front of them and tell them, that the blood of the goats and bulls was to overcome the enemy. And we're in a better covenant, with better promises, with a better blood, that that blood, in Revelation tells us, did overcome an enemy if there is, in fact, an entity that you want to call Satan or the devil, but he is defeated. Ben Colossians, the second chapter, verses 11 through 15, is so clear, so plain, he came to destroy the works of the devil. He made an open show of all principalities and powers, rendering, rendering them powerless so Jesus would stand and say, I have all authority. How much? All. If you have all of something, how much does somebody else have of it? So we weaponize, we demonize, and listen to me, I have encountered demonic operations but what happens is I have to remind them that they're defeated and they don't have any power. There's only one power. So the accusation or the slander that would come through manipulation, taking Scripture out of context and out of covenant, puts an entity that you have to fight in your mind and then it continues on so that there has to be another final battle. I'm, t I'm here to remove all fear because... Fear has torment, but perfect love, Jesus, casts out all fear. Um, and Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. How many believe that the words written in red have power? Because Jesus said them. 19 of John, 30th verse, it is finished. The work that was done for your salvation the work that he came to do to destroy the works of the devil and to render him powerless is finished. 
Do we believe that? Because if we don't, it's the greatest misconceptions that is hindering believers from walking in victory. Again, all of us are different places in our journey. I once believed totally opposite of the way that I believe right now. But I can tell you one thing that has happened is that this theological jolt has brought me to a place of rest, which brings me to my next thought. I'm hearing a lot through the conversations that I'm having at work and on the job and from some of you, and, I'm, and if you watch the news, you will know that this is true. There is a lot of unrest in the world today. Would you agree? Just nod your head. And that unrest is based upon what is going on in Israel. It's made us concerned about even what might happen here. They've even told religious institutions, Christians, to be on high alert because of fallout of violence towards Christians and Jews. So God made a covenant with the people of Israel. Lisa alluded to that. You find the beginnings of that in Exodus. They come out of, watch this, they come out of Egypt, 400 years of slavery, through the, the blood that is applied to the, the doorpost, through the water, the Red Sea, and then they are brought into the wilderness where they come to Mount Sinai, and God wants to make them a nation of priests that he has direct relationship one-on-one -on -one with. That was his goal. That was his plan. Brought out by the blood, through the water, now in the wilderness. I want to make a covenant with you that you are my people. I am your God. And a one-on-one -on -one relationship, you're a kingdom of priests to me. And they said, we don't want nothing to do with it, Moses. You go talk to him. And we will do whatever he tells us to do. It'll be our righteousness. That's what they, they said. You know the story, Ten Commandments are passed down and God institutes a covenant with them. Do you realize the scripture says that he will exalt his word above his name? So now people have a mindset, a fallen mindset in this covenant that God wants to punish them if they don't carry out the law. So they have, now they have a mindset and a view of God that is not who God is. It is a distorted view based upon the covenant. All right? Jesus comes. Now watch this. God is not, does not break his covenant. He fulfilled his covenant to Israel. The, nas, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, the covenant that he had with them, where you will find scriptures that says they were the apple of his eye, that he loved them with an everlasting love. But you know, look through the Old Testament, it is a constant, them falling away to idol worship, and then God bringing them a deliverer, and then them coming back to God to just to do it all over again. That was the cycle under that covenant. But through the blood of Jesus, somebody say, thank you for the blood. He cut a brand new covenant, fulfilling his covenant with Israel. This is what Paul says about that covenant. He says that it tore down the wall of petition that stood between the Jews and the Gentiles. So there was no longer a view of separate nation of Israel and all of the other of creation that wasn't the apple of God's eye. Why? He fulfilled that covenant. He created a brand new covenant through Jesus, breaking down that wall. And Galatians, the third chapter says that under this new covenant, I'm trying to help you, there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. They are all one people because God died once and for all. Now, why am I telling you this? And why do I get a little inflection in my voice? Because I'm excited to know that I can remove fear and the timeline of eschatology is not based upon something that's going to happen to a natural nation. Under that old covenant system, God dealt with nations based upon the leadership. As the high priest went, so went the nation. As the prophet went, so went the nation. 
God is not, it's going to be hard for you political minded people to think, God is not dealing with nations based upon leadership. He's dealing with individuals. Let's go back to this, a thought that hinders us. Because if, if God is punishing us, then you have a mindset that because there are groups of people that you have categorized within certain sins, that God sends floods and tornadoes and hurricanes and all types of things to destroy people, including his own kids, because this one group did something that doesn't line up with what you think is... God doesn't deal with... He is not judging. Again, if you want to go to the Scripture, the Father gave all judgment to the Son. That's what the Scripture says. Now, I don't believe I'm taking that out of context. The Father gave to the Son all judgment. In the same chapter, uh, same book of John, the 12th chapter, Jesus begins to tell them that if I'll be lifted up, first he says, now has judgment come. When did judgment come? 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus said it came. Now has judgment come. Watch this. And now has the prince of this world been cast out. When? Then. I know it's hard. And you will press against that because you have mindsets, beliefs that have become strongholds. Strongholds are fortified places that we will defend almost to the death. But when they're lies, you are trying to uphold something that isn't truth, and you will fight over it, and it will lead you to violence. But when you come to the saving knowledge of God and your mind has been set free and you don't have a fallen mindset, there's no fear of the future. I'm not giving you today something that I know how it's going to unfold and it looks like this and it's going to happen like that. No man knows the day or the hour and that's not a cop-out. Uh, it's, it's scripture. So quit trying to figure it out if it's pre, mid, or post uh, or if it's even going to happen that way at all because maybe we're in a world without end that doesn't get destroyed. Not maybe. Thank you, babe. Um, but when we have this enemy, this entity, and see, even when Paul says, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, the devil, is as. He isn't, he is as. There's an entity, but that entity tries to roar to scare you when there's no power in it. I'm telling you all of this to tell you, if we go back to Old Covenant, what is happening in Israel is not on the timetable of what's going to happen to you. I said it. It's good news. Absolutely good news. So there's an ancient story that God comes to Abram in Genesis, the 12th chapter, and he promises him a son in his old age. Are you familiar with the story? Now, God has already told Abraham through covenant to leave where he was and he was going to take him to a place that he would show him where that was. And when he would show him where that was, uh, promised land, that he was making a covenant. All Abraham did was believe. God counted it unto him then as righteousness. And then in this journey, he promises him a son. Um, I forgot how you said it last night, but he wasn't willing to wait for God to fulfill that promise, and he gets a little anxious, and he tries to work things out on his own. And I think that's where people get, they're anxious, because they're still waiting on something that Paul said was about to happen. Peter says that the end of days was about to happen. It was coming soon. We're 2,000 plus years removed from that, and if we're 2,000 years plus removed from that, and he was coming soon, Either Peter missed what he was saying and it was not inspired of the Holy Ghost or maybe we just interpret it wrong. The book of Revelation starts out by saying, these things shall quickly come to pass. It's like me saying, Joey, go start my car. I'll be there quickly. In 2,000 years, the car's ran out of gas and I still haven't come. What happened? So when Abram gets stirred up 
and he wants to rush the process of having a son, Sarah says, go lay with my Egyptian handservant, Hagar. Very important because Hagar is brought into Galatians and Paul uses her as a symbol, as Lisa said in the beginning, as the bondwoman. She names her son Ishmael, wild ass. Ishmael is wild. So 12 years later, now Ishmael's almost a teenager, and Abraham and Sarah have Isaac. Okay. Sarah gets concerned that Ishmael, he's already an unruly teenager, based upon his name and the, what the scripture says. She's afraid that she, he will do something to Isaac, the promised son, so she wants him kicked out. So Abraham takes Hagar and Ishmael and he kicks them out into the desert. And they run out of food, water, and supplies. And she walks an arrow's distance away, which means however far the arrow could fly away from her son. She doesn't want to see him die. And the angel of the Lord comes to her. Now we're in Genesis, the 16th chapter. The angel of the Lord speaks a word to her and tells her, that God has blessed Ishmael and will make him a mighty nation and there will be tribes under Ishmael. Now this is not Allah. This is Elohim. This is God Jehovah saying to Hagar and Ishmael, I'm going to bless Ishmael. There's going to be nations in the wilderness, the desert. From the lineage of Ishmael through Hagar, the bondservant, we have the Arab nations today that have followed a path that's taken them into Islam. Then Isaac was blessed, and through Isaac, the son of promise, comes Jacob, whose name is turned changed to Israel. Through Israel, now we have 12 tribes that are the Jewish nation with whom God made a covenant in the Old Testament then that covenant was fulfilled. He did not break that covenant. It was fulfilled. What I'm trying to tell you is if God fulfilled the covenant with Israel through Jesus, there is nothing in the timeline that deals with natural Israel that puts us on any course of certain events happening. Oh, wow. Now, I said that Israel came through, out of Egypt, out of bondage. This is very important, stay with me. By the blood, through the Red Sea, which is water baptism, into the desert, the wilderness, where he enacts a covenant with them. But that's not true Israel. True Israel. Now, Hosea, the 11th chapter. Can we get that on the screen? Hosea 11.1. 1. This is Old Covenant, I'm sorry, Old Testament when Israel has been in bondage to Egypt for 400 years. It's a type and shadow. Okay. He says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Uh, notice that it is in the masculine gender. Normally when we deal with nations, they're in the female gender. America, her. God shed his grace on her, um, Israel, female gender. But he says specifically, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my. Now we have to go to Matthew's gospel, the second chapter, verse 15. Now, Matthew 1.1 states that God did not break his covenant with Noah, with David, or with Abraham, but that he was fulfilling his covenant with Moses. It was going to be done away with. So the Abrahamic covenant, who he made with a man, was still intact, and that seed in Galatians is Christ himself, through whom he would bless how many nations? All nations, not just Israel, all nations. Let's go to verse 15 of Matthew, the second chapter. And was there until the death of Herod, so this is the time period of Jesus' birth. Herod's killing babies because he thinks there's been another king born. So all the babies were being killed two years and under. Does that sound familiar? What happened in Egypt? Pharaoh started killing all the babies two years of age and under of when Moses the deliverer was coming forth. 
Jesus, our true deliverer, is coming forth now, babies two years of age and under, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Hosea, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. What happened? God told Joseph in a dream to go take Jesus down to Egypt. Why? So that the prophecy would be fulfilled of Hosea, I am calling my son out of Egypt, making the true Israel of God. Put Hosea 11.1 back on the screen. If you can. Israel. True Israel is God, is, is Jesus. Another reference. The true vine Israel was referred to as the vine, but John 15 states that Jesus says that I am the true vine. I am not anti-Semitic at all. I love the Jewish people. I've been to Israel six times, hoping to make my seventh trip. Probably not going to be in October or November next year now <laughs> because of what's going on. But can I tell you that I sh we should, all of us should be crying out for Palestine and the Hamas and everyone that has a soul. I know it doesn't set right with a lot of people. This is not political. This is not military. This is a covenant that God made with himself through Jesus, making everyone who believes the apple of his eye. Jerusalem, city of shalom, the city of of peace. Can I tell you who the new Jerusalem is? You are a city hit on a hill. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the city of peace. God has put his name on you. I would say the same thing to the Chinese, the Japanese, the Italians, anybody. So when we have a mindset, to go back and review, if we have a fallen mindset that puts an enemy out in front of us that has not been defeated and has to be defeated in the end, and that, that timeline is based upon what happens to one nation, that's under, you're taking it out of covenant. And when you take it out of covenant, you're trying to force feed things into a new, better covenant with a better way and a better blood that have nothing to do with that covenant that has already been fulfilled. Now, I want you to get in your hearts and mind that God did not break his covenant with Israel. He fulfilled it through Jesus. And because that covenant has been fulfilled, to truly backslide would be what Hebrews calls us going back over the blood of Jesus to reinstitute animal sacrifice, saying that that animal sacrifice now can bring remission of sin. He has totally annihilated that system through fulfilling it by a once-for-all sacrifice through the blood of Jesus. How do we overcome, or how did he overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. Our testimony shouldn't be that we have an entity that's fighting us. We, our testimony should be that Jesus has all power and authority. He has given the church all of that power and authority to reign and rule with him. So what do I do when conditions show up, circumstances avail themselves to us, and there are things that are going on that cause addiction, that cause all types of financial situations, that cause our relationships to be a wreck, and are there spirits that can attach themselves to us? I don't believe so in the kingdom of God. If you're under the blood, because see that you're taking it out of covenant, when you take it out of covenant, what the old covenant said is something was unclean. If Darius is unclean and I touch Darius, that which is unclean now makes me unclean. That covenant has been fulfilled. Jesus comes along and he touches everything that is unclean and what is unclean becomes clean because Jesus touched it. Then Peter has a vision and he goes into a trance and uh, he sees the vision of the sheet and God says, kill and eat. And he says, I can't, it's unclean. And he says, don't call unclean what I have called clean. And through the... I can't force you to believe it. I, it has to be a revelation. And I know that we are all at different points and junctures. Do we need 
some deliverance in life. Yes, there are points and times that things attach themselves to us that we get caught up into because of a fallen mindset and then we need delivered from those things. If you believe that that's a demon, if that's what you're staring at, that's what you will steer towards and that's what will manifest. But if you believe in and on the blood of Jesus that has defeated an enemy that has no power, then when it does try to infiltrate, I believe the battle's right here in your mind, and so when that fallen mindset arises, here's three things that you can do. You ready? Rebuke, resist, and rest. Pulling this all together, Jennifer, if you can, please. I stated that there is unrest in the world right now. But Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, All you are who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I will show you how to rest. So when we take things out of context and out of covenant, we get into unrest because we are confused about the finished work. And when we have confusion about the finished work and we've attached ourselves to a... Uh, misconception that hinders us then we don't walk in victory that's unrest but Jesus wants us to rest old covenant there was a day of rest this is a better covenant with better promises so every day is a day of rest in the finished work of Jesus many times we are missing out on that fresh encounter we talked about it last week. Marked by peace, marked by His love, marked by His favor because we've, we've fallen into a, we've walked in a fallen mindset and then we are constantly fighting. How many know the popular song, worship song, K-Love song? We sing it. We hear it on the radio. And I don't even know what it is. Maybe you can help me. So we're fighting a battle that's already been won. Well, that doesn't even make sense. Why do you want to fight a battle if it's already been won? And did God not say that the battle was His? Then quit fighting a battle that He's already won. Give it to the Lord. Walk in a new mindset. I know because I have lived life and I am living life that we come up against things. And if it was just smooth sailing all the time, why do we even gather at church to encourage one another and build one another up? I don't need you. I've got this thing. We just sail on through life. So I know, as we talked earlier in the month, condition and position are two different things. But we need to live out of our position, not our condition. Because if we're living out of our condition, we're always in need of something that we have to fight against to in, in order to achieve. Again, the covenant that God made with Himself through Jesus. And now we're married to Jesus. And the two have become one. In that seamless oneness, we can walk in victory. It's a mindset that we must yield to and allow Holy Spirit to work with us in. Um, I could told Giles before church, I could spend 16 weeks on this subject and not exhaust everything that needs to be said. I could give you a timeline. You could put it up against Daniel and Revelation. You could see all types of things and teaching. You know, one quick thing. There's We talk about the 70 weeks of Daniel. It's amazing that 69 of those weeks happened boom, boom, boom right in a row. But we've been on pause for 2,000 years for the 70th week. That's not the way God operates. It's already happened. The 70th week has already taken place. A lot of things. If you want to talk about it, I'd be glad for you to buy me lunch and we can go sit down and talk about it. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. I'm just joking. But we would be happy. Again, this is a journey. You may not be there. I don't expect you to walk out of this room fully comprehending and accepting everything that I've said to you today. And I don't want you to. I want you to go home and study it. I want you to go home and see what the Holy Spirit shows you in this. And if you stay where you're at, I love you. I'll fellowship with you. We'll worship together. And we're on this journey together. 
And you know what? If it happens the way you think it happens, I'm still going to be there with you. And if it happens the way that I think it's going to happen, then you're still going to be there, and you're going to be okay, and it's all going to work out. I'm just trying to remove some fear from you. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, joy, peace, and a sound mind. Let's stand to our feet. My goal was to encourage you this morning. My goal was to put you in a position where you can think a little bit differently about some things and maybe see it from a different perspective and encounter the God of rest because he's a God of rest. No, I was just going to say, we're not taking the things that's going on in Israel lightly. I mean, we love Israel. We don't want that going on. But what we are saying is you don't have to let that be in an eschatological timeline. Hopefully. We still pray for them. We want peace. Eschatology is just the study of last things. That's all it is. And again, if we take it out of covenant, then we think things have to happen to Israel for a return of Christ to happen. But if I put that in covenant perspective, things that have been fulfilled in that middle wall of petition, I can't show it to you any plainer, that God removed that, and there's no longer Jew nor Greek, Jew nor Gentile. All one people. You are the apple of God's eye. He loved you with an everlasting love. And that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. And, and, and all of God's creation, He loved with an everlasting love. And now He has enacted a covenant with Himself that is inclusive. All right. Holy Spirit, would you take everything that's been muddied and clear it up? Would you speak to the hearts of your children as you continue to remove fear, anxiety, and worry about current events that are going on and right now collectively as the body of Christ located at Culloden, West Virginia we lift up our voices and we pray for the peace of the world yours is a kingdom of peace and we pray for the peace on both sides we pray for this conflict to resolve quickly only by what you can do and if there's imminent fighting that takes place may the loss of life be minimized and I pray that you would work even through difficult situations and work out peace. Strive with, for peace with all men. That's what the scripture says. So we pray for the peace of Israel and Gaza and Lebanon and Iran and all of the world. Be with your people. In Jesus' name. Ishmael and Isaac were brothers. Have you ever seen two siblings fight? If there's a toy that both of them want, what are they going to do? Well, fight over it. Now I'm talking in the natural. I'm not talking in the spiritual now. I'm talking completely in the natural. So there is territory that two brothers are fighting over, and they both want it. And so naturally, there's things going on where siblings, because we go back to Ishmael and Isaac. That's what's going on here. That's in the natural. 